the wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Hello and welcome. This is The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast where three nerdy friends talk about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is Season 1, Episode 7, A Pretty Amazing Mustache. I'm Steven. I'm Justin. And I'm Michelle. Stick around with us as we discuss Chapters 23 through 27 of The Eye of the World. another week another episode oh man we're back it's good uh, yeah glad to see everybody yeah, this week absolutely always look forward to this time together and uh being able to record talk about this wonderful wonderful series and uh, things are getting exciting aren't they yes it's crazy to think that we all started by the river share uh sharing sheep we've come we've come a long way guys we have come a long way (laughs) i i I only just got my braid in and and now here we are oh yeah Uh, so how's it been going guys how's it been going oh it's going good just uh ready to get started and dive in and see y'all's reactions to what's about to unfold here (laughs) (laughs) so i guess i i guess i better get started with this uh this spooky summary huh let's go for it all right, guys, so uh, this week we're going to be covering uh, chapters 20 through, tw- through 27. So uh, if you have not read those chapters and you don't want any spoilers, just go ahead and pause now, and we will be here when you come back. All right, gave you guys a chance, so now let's get started. The journey continues on with our friends meeting new companions, both four-legged and two. As dreams intensify, secrets and motives come to light. All right, guys, let's let's dive into here. Let's do this. All right. I want to point out something, guys. Every time you have a fantasy series, and I was going to give it, you know, I was going to give a Wheel of Time, you know, a little bit of a break. I was like, you know, uh, you said that this was one of the first fantasies out there. But I've noticed every time you have a fantasy series, some way, somehow, wolves, wolves just, <laughs> they just pop in. Whether whether it's just a regular uh, human wolf, you know, just, no, sorry, a regular, like, you know, animal wolf just kind of walking by the street, or whether it's a werewolf, somehow, somewhere, uh, wolves kind of pop in. So I'm not surprised here. <laughs> what about you guys? Uh, I don't I don't know if I ever made that connection before, but, uh, you know, it, it's a... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess so. <laughs> I don't really, I don't think I've ever really noticed a ton of wolves in at least the stuff I've read. Anyways, I mean, there's some here and there. There's a lot in like North mythology and things like that. There's wolves all over the place and that kind of stuff. But no, I've well, seen it in urban fantasy, Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, all well, right. Okay. 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 I guess it's not in uh, Stormlight yet. <laughs> I haven't read book four yet, so I guess it's not yet, but we'll see. Well, you know, Stephen, the fact that you mentioned that, that wolves play a part in uh, several stories in Norse myth, uh, a lot of what we consider, you know, modern fantasy elements come from those myths particularly. So yeah. uh, you think about, I mean, you think about the ravens and, you know, and, and things like that. So, I mean, maybe there is precedent for that. So. Uh, but interesting observation, Michelle. I've never really thought about that before. Yeah, and Jordan does uh, like to pull from a lot of different mythologies. His his 
world's mythos is really a melting pot of all over the world different thoughts mythologies yeah, and ideologies yeah. so makes sense you know i, and I find that that's kind of common um because when i'm thinking about when you when you said that i thought about neil gaiman you know the writer of sandman and everything <laughs> um a lot of these authors really do like to pull from norse mythology but i guess it is interesting isn't it the story i mean neil gaiman has a yeah. whole book called norse mythology <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> That's a good that's a good observation, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess let's see. We pick up in chapter twenty three. Uh some very interesting little encounters happening here. Uh what was y'all's first impression when uh we meet our new friends? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really interesting uh, addition to the story, and I've always, um, you know, been fascinated by by this whole thing with the wolves. Even from you know the first time I read it, uh, however many years ago that was, but coming to this chapter and this starting to you know unfold uh, has always just really stuck with me. Yeah, I know it's a. Uh it really just kind of like turns, uh, you know, we have been focused for a little bit on, you know, we had prophecies with men and then we had the revelation of Egwene being able to touch the one power and, uh, recent revelation of Nynaeve being able to do that. So we've had those things. And then Perrin and Matt and Rand, for the most part, just our normal guys, you know, and then all of a sudden we find out this secret about Perrin that Perrin didn't even know. Uh, yeah, and it's just like comes out of nowhere out of left field we've been talking about the one power but we never thought to uh, even consider that there's other things as well didn't that seem like it made sense though because Perrin is always so thoughtful he's he's always thinking things through and that seems like a wolf-like behavior hmm. he's 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 very he is very mindful of his situation um and and calculating and I think I think that is something true of of wolves that is especially when they're in the wild and, you know, they're on a hunt. They are very calculating uh, as 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 creatures as creatures go. And, and, and they know their status, too. And I feel yeah. like Perrin is very hyper aware of his status. I in think the group. I agree. I think so. You know, y'all are yeah. bringing up points that honestly I'd never thought about. Uh, <laughs> I always associate Perrin's wolf side with more his aggressive and his Uh-oh. like rash nature that comes through tends to, in my mind, mirror the wolves, but I had never what rash nature. Well, we will get to that as we go through this. Uh... I- I'm going to say if we, if we ranked him with everyone else, he's like the most mild person here. True. 
and I may be speaking out of turn. So <laughs> no, yeah, no, I don't, no. I don't, I don't know if I would describe Perrin as as rash. Um, just I, I think he's the opposite of rash. Now he he may make some. Uh, there, there may be times when he makes some decisions, you know, a little bit more hastily than he yeah. he had before, or that we've seen him normally do. But I think for the most part, he is really he's he's calm in a lot of ways, calculating. Uh, he does have uh, an aggressive side when it's needed, but he's he he's probably he'd probably be the last one to let that come out. Oh, that is so cool. Perrin is one with the wolves. Perrin is one oh. with the you know, Oh, my gosh. You know, I was very intrigued with how quickly he seems to be connecting with the wolves. I mean, it's like almost as soon as he finds out or, you know, that, that Elias says anything to him about being able to, to talk to the wolves, as it were. It's almost like from that moment on, he, he starts to be able to sense them and... As we read on a little bit later, that continues to grow even stronger, even within what I'm assuming is just a short period of time. I'm not sure how much time passes, uh, but it's it seems to be happening very quickly. Yeah, so it, it you know it does cover a span of several days going forward yeah. in the next little bit, but it is a relatively short amount of time, uh, yeah. which I think speaks to kind of what this is. Um, so I think in all honesty, that seems typical anyway. Like look at Egwene, like she, like a, a what do you call it? Moraine tells her she has she can touch the one power, and then boom, like here she is making a fire. So I, that seems like I feel like the entire group yeah. is kind of advanced in whatever but, it is that they do. But I believe it was it was last week that we, uh, in the last episode that we saw her struggling to do just that. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, it, 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 there's definitely with her some kind of uh, training that needs to happen. But this with Perrin, it, it almost seems like a natural connection taking place um, and, and apparently an old connection. Yeah. Um, so it's something. Go ahead. Something old that has come again. Yeah. Uh, an old thing and as old as humankind. Uh, I think it's Elias says about it, that it, it goes all the way back to to the beginning of mankind, which I kind of thought was, um, you know, possibly uh, even like a possibly like a Garden of Eden type reference, uh, because you, you think about uh, it's always depicted of, you know, man and beast uh, living in harmony in that time. And that seems to kind of be what's going on uh, in this situation. Now, it's not all men, but certain people have this connection with the wolves. Um, it's a, it seems to be something that goes way back. It is alluded to in notes and in various in varian, various references, if I could talk tonight, uh, that uh, it is a thing that comes and goes with the turning of the wheel. Like there are ages where men and animals walk side by side as brothers, and then there are ages where no hint of it is even known. And yeah. the wolves here will even... You know, it's not a common thing even right now. Sure, it's a thing sure. that when they found Elias, that it was a thing that they remembered, but in in a way that it was like a memory of a distant, a memory of a memory, even for the wolves, who have this strange way of keeping uh, time and memories. So it, it's 
something that has started to reappear in this world, but not something that's been here for a very long time. When we say it's starting to reappear in this world, how long do you think this has been happening for, like, this age? Probably, I would say, I, you know, we're not given an exact age for Elias, but I would venture to say maybe 20, 30 years. Okay. So not it's relatively a new reoccurrence. I'm wondering if they find each other. You know how uh, Moraine somehow found herself in, you know, Eamon's field and everything? Like, I'm wondering if, if this was meant to be a parent running into, like, Elias and the wolves. Oh, so you're wondering if it was predestined by the wheel. Yes, yes. <laughs> Is it part of the pattern? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a great question. Mar- uh, Moraine would say that everything's a part of the pattern, so... And- Everything is. So, someone has to be Moraine. Someone has to be Moraine this episode. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> she didn't. She didn't pop up. So yep, I guess I'll take yeah. that role. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So we have Perrin and the wolves, and we've really dove deep into that. Uh, let's talk about Rand and, and Matt. Let's go back on the boat, guys. I guess the ship. Yeah, the little uh, the spray traveling up the river. The spray. Huh. So yeah, we uh, get some interesting goings on here. Uh, we've got Tom is passing them off as his apprentices, uh, making a show amongst the crew of training these country bumpkins. Uh, and, you know, of course, Matt trying to foul it up every time because he he doesn't get it. <laughs> and, uh, He's so irritating, isn't he? And uh, Rand is just kind of going along with it, but he's also honestly acting a little strange. Uh, but this isn't the first time, though. This is not the first time he's acted strange. Remember Berlin? Yep. So what? So what is? What this? do you think's going on? I don't. It's like he. It's like he loses himself. I. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe this. It's and and as you're reading, you can tell that it's coming on. Like you can tell when he's. I guess what do they call it? Unreliable narrator. It's like you can kind of tell when he's losing it. Like when he's being reckless, when you, you could tell when he's about to do, when he almost slid down that rope, like when he did it, I was like, he's about to do something crazy here. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if I missed it or not, but I, I honestly don't know why he's acting like this. So you think maybe he's like, there's something like wrong with him, like that we just. It's not even. It's not even evil. It's just. It's like who is he? And I, for me, it makes me think that. Because I've now accepted that all of them, they're like some kind of reincarnation of someone past. Maybe it's that person's like personality coming out. Hmm. Um, it just seems really different from Rand as a person, you know, hmm. being Tam's son, I guess. Rand used to be kind of like the thoughtful one, not like Perrin, but he seemed kind of like level-headed. Yeah. And now he has these bursts of just reckless behavior. This, this, this is something we, we might have more expected Matt to do. Yes, Instead of Rand. And you know what I've noticed, too? Whenever Rand acts like this, Matt is always the complete opposite. Like, uh, what happened in Berlin? Matt was really moody. And then next thing you know, Rand's acting crazy. And mm. then here we are, Matt's really moody. And Rand's losing it again. Yes. It always <laughs> seems to go hand in hand. Like It's like you're looking at Matt like, huh, this is kind of unlike you. Yeah. And then Rand does something reckless. Yes. Like, have you guys noticed that connection? Yeah. Which... You bring up an interesting point. Matt and the moodiness. Um, do you think... what's going? What do you think about what's happening with him and his favorite new trinket? Hmm. When we were in Berlin, 
when okay that was after Berlin I was wondering when we went to the treasure room whether it was that was that after was in we left Shatter Berlin, right? Logoth after yeah Shatter Logoth was after after Berlin uh huh because normally in these kind of stories whenever someone I'm because I'm even thinking about Mistborn and everything whenever someone's or even Harry Potter when like um uh, when they started wearing the uh whatever that thing is called. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. They wore yeah the, hollow. The, the locket. It's when they wore the locket. Yeah. Um, normally, whenever I see things like this, I'm thinking like, oh, it's the power of whatever they're holding kind of like creeping into them and, and, and morphing them. But the thing is, Matt has done this before in Berlin, and that was before he even had the treasure. Was it was it really like this, though? Not to this extent. I, right. saying, it was, it, I don't extent. think it was to this degree. I mean, here we've got Matt just kind of... You know, he's off brooding by himself. He's kind he's so of irritating. He, he's he, he, and, and he's irritable and paranoid. <laughs> very, very paranoid. Yeah. Oh, so paranoid. <laughs> and also he seems so it's like it's always about treasure. He's always wanting more treasure. Yeah. So I, what is I, he so, I yeah, think yeah, it's, it's, it's very it's odd. an interesting yeah. parallel that you draw there between the dagger and a horcrux. I kind of like that. Mm. Yes, horcrux. Yeah. That's that, what it is. I think that is a good. Question. Yeah, that's but, a great. You know, I was I, I was thinking of you know we uh, I, I don't know Stephen I know that you recognized it but Michelle did you pick up on perhaps we've seen this dagger like this somewhere before? No, I I was trying oh, to think of it. You missed oh it. gosh, no, hold on, hold on. Oh, give me a clue. Give me a clue. <laughs> is it with the? Is it with one of the Trollocs? No, no. Uh, it was, it was in, It was one of Men's visions. I knew you were gonna say it's one when, of Men's when, visions when she looked at Matt. Yeah. I knew it was one of Men's she, visions. She she saw a dagger with a ruby in the hilt. I will say this: whenever I'm reading these chapters, I'm just in the zone. Like I'm not <laughs> in a lot. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Like I, this is my first time reading, so I'm I'm in the world. I'm just in the yeah. zone. Which so yeah, you're I, you're, you're in the moment. Which is yeah. completely so, fair because honestly, the first time I read this book, I blazed through it and missed <laughs> so exactly. much. Yeah. Like yeah. like you know, even the pronunciations. Normally, when I'm reading like a book for the first time, I'm over here just I just I just like muffle my way through and just keep on going just because i want the story right, <laughs> like, right like you know what i mean so i'm not um i would i i know i'm gonna reread this book anyway and at that point i'd probably do the analyzing but right now it's like i'm just i'm just brushing through that's why i appreciate talking about it with you guys because you you really slow it down and you're like okay <laughs> this is what happened back here too but that that's why that's why we we've we got you aboard is because you're you're reading it for the first time yeah. so you've got those fresh eyes yep and uh, just enjoying the story. It would be a very yep, boring. Looking at the big picture. It would be a very boring <laughs> podcast if everyone on the podcast had read it as many times as me, because we'd all know everything that the other was going to say, and we'd just all agree, yeah. and there'd be no conversation. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Because, because listen, if it, the way I, the number of times I've read Harry Potter, if there was a podcast with people that are obsessed with it as me. Like, you don't find that uninteresting. We just have a different set of listeners. So listeners, I, I have you. I've got you. <laughs> I'm just as clueless as you are. But um, I, Matt, he just confuses me because, like I said, I identify with him a lot just because I'm also reckless and I don't really follow rules. But then he does things like this, and I really do think it is the Horcrux, a.k.a. that dagger. Um, but now I need to go and... Can, can any of you guys recite um, that part of Min's um, prophecy? Oh. Recite it? Uh, no. 
<laughs> not recite. Uh, uh, Steven, if you say no, then I mean I can't recite gonna, it. It's just that I'm she gonna, says I'm gonna, I'm gonna question you. No, she says that she sees uh, him holding a dagger with a ruby in the hilt. That's pretty much all there is to Ooh. it. It doesn't get more obvious yeah. than that, does yeah. it? I'm I'm looking for it. While I'm looking for it, I, I do want to mention. Uh, I think we need to at least make mention of uh, Rand's dream. Um, yeah. At this point, yeah, and, and and what's you know, I mean, it, it's in some ways it's a, so much like the other dreams that he's had, but at the same time, there's this situation where you know he he pricks his finger, and when he wakes up, he's still bleeding. I mean, I guess you could say you know he was tossing and turning in his sleep and no. <laughs> pricked his that's finger we're, we're like on the that. on the wall or something. But that that seems like a long shot. But we're, we're past the rationalizing. We we know that because remember the last time he had a dream in Berlin. I mean, the rats the the rats had snapped necks. So right. <laughs> let's not pretend. Oh, it's so fascinating though these dreams. Yeah. Um, so, so I've got the passage um, where where men what men saw around Matt. She was talking about it. She said, "And the other one, uh, a red eagle, an eye on a balance scale, a dagger with a ruby, a horn, and a laughing face." A horn, uh, so, and a laughing face. Yeah, those are the things she saw around Matt. Uh, so the the dagger with the ruby, you oh, know, you see that, man. and then spoilers. Uh, so many spoilers. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I want the spoilers though. I, I'm really I, trying to get you guys like to, to yeah. fall into it. Oh, I, I know what so, I know what some of them are. But, yeah, you know a few. Uh, there are some of yeah. them that you don't know yet. Oh, I'll get there. You will. You will. <laughs> uh, I will be rereading this though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's see. He's uh, never used to be like this. And you know what else I've noticed? I think Matt is the only person that hasn't talked about his dreams. Like he won't hmm. do it. Yeah, you know I, another thing about it, I don't I've think never, he has. I've never heard him. I've never heard him. Like he won't do it. Yeah, I, I, he talked about it some in Berlon, but I don't think he's talked much about him since. Yeah, he like he, he refuses uh, to talk about anything. Like you can definitely tell he's still having them, and they're probably the same as what Rand is seeing, but he doesn't Maybe. outright say it. It's just kind of hinted at. Yeah. I feel like it's not even the same thing that they're seeing. I think at this point, everyone's having different dreams. Hmm. I don't know. I don't... That brings up an interesting point. So, I don't know that Rand and Matt's dreams would be all that different at this point, but Perrin's definitely are. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Uh, Because Perrin's uh, got a little bit of a, a special defense going on for him now that the other two don't have. Yeah. I want his defense. So, I'm so is 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 that what's happening? That the wolves were protecting him in a way uh, in his dreams. I think so. Um, you think so? Yeah, I think to a degree at least they're protecting him in much the way that like Moraine talked about how like being near her gave them a certain measure of protection and things like that. I think the wolves are in a way feeling that same protectiveness um maybe making from what it looks like when the the dream with Perrin is happening it's not necessarily that the will the wolves keep balsamon from interacting with them but it's like almost like they're hiding him and then when he does find him he can make the wolves go away but it's like it's harder for him to track Perrin down all of a sudden yeah i i know it's getting you know 
getting a little ahead, but I don't, we don't really go chapter by chapter. But uh, that 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 final dream uh, in the last chapter that we read this week, um, that was that was hard. Uh, you know, the wolf being you know burned up in the dream, and then when Perrin wakes up, the wolves are howling. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that was just hard to to read, and so I'm, you know, I'm I'm intrigued to find out more about that. Uh, I don't want to, I really don't want to know any more about that, but at the same time, I yeah, do. me neither. <laughs> me neither. It didn't, so, yeah, it gets too real at that point. Yeah, And definitely yeah. remember that. Um, of course, remember that wolf. Yeah. Um, and we will get back to that a little later on. And unfortunately, in our story. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, anyway, continue. I just completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, well <laughs> should we should should we talk a little bit about Egwene? Changes uh, that, I mean, that if, she's if going you want. through. Well, <laughs> it's 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 on the dock, so <laughs> she, I, I didn't she, I didn't have too much to say. But there's there's not a uh, ton going she's such on a girl. for Egwene right now, other than just yeah. she's struggling to try and reach out for a power she just found out she has it's not reliable and she doesn't have her teacher anymore because she's lost moraine but you know she's trying to keep it together this is not the adventure she signed on for despite the fact that they tried and tried to explain to her what was happening she was all fairy tales and stories going out of the two rivers but i think this set of chapters and what's happened here is really starting to hit home for her how real things are i think the mm. the uh the honeymoon period for Egwene is over <laughs> is it yeah. though is it is it over Egwene wants to be in love so bad <laughs> Does she... like, I, I know i know i'm probably catching on to the wrong things but <sighs> it's like she loves being admired what no she likes attention whether it's coming from moraine or whether it's coming from, like, it doesn't, uh, I don't know. I, mm. I, I don't think it's hit home for her yet. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, definitely I, do, think, I do agree. I think part of what you're seeing with her, though, is she's just wanting something to feel normal. Yeah. Like, okay. Everything is out of control. I, everything is out of her hands. She feels powerless. And so she's trying to do, you know, people, it's a natural human reaction. We try to exert our will on things around us. And so... What she can't control, she can't control, but she is trying to take charge of what she can. Uh, hence, making Perrin share the horse and such things. Uh, so it's very interesting how that is happening and what all is going on there. All right, so we had a, a quick little technical hiccup there, and uh, we're going to jump right back into where we left off. We were talking about Egwene. Uh, touching the one power and some of the changes that were happening for her. So, Stephen, you were saying something when when you dropped out. I don't remember exactly what you were saying. Maybe you do. Yeah, so I was just trying to make the point that I think, you know, we were talking about Egwene's strange behavior and how she se- it seems a little childish in a lot of the ways she's acting, especially uh, with the people that they meet and how she acts around the boys and things like that. But I really think... Uh, you have to give her some credit. She's a girl that's really out of her depth and has had a lot thrown at her. And I think she's just trying her best to exert what little control she can over the world around her. Um, she knows she has this new power, but she can't use it. The chance to have it taught to her has vanished out from under her. 
Um, so she's trying to teach herself little by little. And, you know, she's trying to do what she can to feel like she has some control over what's happening. Whether it be making Perrin walk or dancing with a boy. You know, it's just her way of trying to trying to feel normal in all this chaos. You are so patient with her, Steven. Because I... <laughs> You're you're so kind to her because I have zero patience or tolerance for Egwene. See, it it's it's funny that you say that because she's actually one of my least favorite characters. <laughs> yeah, really good. <laughs> I'm not alone. <laughs> no, she no. You have you have so much patience for her because I just roll my eyes every time her every time her her name pops up. It's kind of like I know, guys, it, listeners. I'm always gonna make a reference to this. It's kind of like Shallon and Stormlight Archives. I don't like her either. <laughs> but thankfully, Egwene doesn't get whole chapters to her. At least not yet. Oh, you don't like Shalon. <laughs> I do not. That, that's another podcast. <laughs> yes, that is. Yeah, that's another so, pod- That's another podcast. I can uh, I can have a whole episode talking about why I don't like her. Uh, well, I, I say <laughs> yeah, let's I say let's let's move on from there. And yes. new new friends. We, yes, we new meet friends. some new friends. The Tuatha An. The traveling people. To author on, okay. Yeah. To author on. I'm AKA Tinkers. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the traveling people. I th- yes. I think Robert Jordan threw that in there to help us. Out. <laughs> okay, let me just let them. <laughs> well, let's just, let's just call them Tinkers. Well, you know, I, I, I had this in my notes, and I, I don't think I, I think there it was intentional um, that there is there yeah. is a name um, that is kind it, it, it's kind of a pejorative really because the only yeah. people you hear using it are outsiders that are not the traveling people um yeah and it's often used in a way that is uh kind of um you know kind of derisive kind of meant yeah, to it's... meant to wound a little bit and and honestly i mean i, I see the real world inspirations that, that you know definitely that uh, they are modeled, I think, after the Romani people. It, I caught that uh, as well, especially. And, and it's so crazy you know, too. Even even the um, yeah. even the stereotypes of like, oh, sure. steal this, blah blah blah. Like it's yes, the exact yes, exactly. same. It's and, the exact and, same and, thing. And 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 there is a word. I, I'm not going to use it, but there is a word that is used for those people by outsiders of that community, and it's often used. Uh, in a pejorative fashion, so Absolutely. they're very much have that same inspiration. Yeah. So, um, and you gotta love you know. uh, Egwene's reaction when she finds out who these people are. She's like, "Yeah, you know, let's make sure we have to keep an eye on Bella because they might steal her." <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it's interesting that that would come from Egwene. You know, because she's you know for for all the things we've said about her, you know, she's uh, you know I guess a little bit more the understanding one, but even Later she's on. over. Even she is more overcome um, with her prejudice at that moment. Well, I think but she this, has this is typical of her, though. I think she has more of that preju- inbred prejudice to her because of her upbringing, as opposed to Perrin's. Well, because Perrin right, is right. actually he see like he talks about how they have skill in dealing with mending of things that he's intrigued by, whereas yeah. her experience comes from more. The innkeeper's daughter, uh, you know, the good yeah. wives of uh, Edmonds Field, who, you know, the women's circle, they don't view tinkers well. They're right. these group that get blamed for stealing children and causing mischief and stealing from people. And 
Yeah. One thing I but will it, give Egwene though is she always comes with these stereotypes, but um, once she actually observes and meets like these people, like Moraine, she eventually just moves forward. Like, okay, like this is actually how these. Like, she doesn't. She doesn't let it stick with her, you know, permanently. She will just. She just observes. She sees that they're good people, and then she just stops. You know. Yeah, she um, has a lot of preconceived I mean, notions, but she's very yeah. quick to change. To she doesn't hold on to stubborn viewpoints once something has proven yeah. her wrong. There we go. Uh, that's an admirable. So thing about so her. so I say to to Egwene's credit, that's something we could learn from her. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that is one thing I have liked about her ever. Like even you know ever since the beginning, like with Moraine and everything, um, you can't. You you know you have to. You have to judge each person individually. You can't just go based off your preconceived notions. So thank sure. you, Egwene, for that. Sure. You know, <laughs> let's keep that going. All right. So we're uh, we're getting a little long in the tooth here. So I think we need to to move on to the next little section here. Um, what do we think about this whole idea of these people of peace, these pacifists, in a world that literally has monsters and boogeymen and an all-powerful evil force out there doing harm to people. <laughs> mm. This sounds so... It's it The real-world connection is so real. Like, this is... Because it's always like this. Every, anytime there's chaos, you'll always have a group of people that are like, you know, we're just neutral. Like, we're going to keep out of yeah. this. Like, that's you guys' thing. We're about the peace. And I feel yeah, like that's I, fine. You know, I, I'm... You know, I guess I'm kind of with... Uh with Perrin on the whole thing is, you know, I see it to me. It's kind of a, well, like a cop out. I, I don't, I don't want to use the word naive, but uh, that may be the best word I can come up with. It's kind of a, a naive way of looking at the world. And, and this, this is my opinion. Uh, I'll, I'll preface that, but cause it's like you said, there are literal, literal monsters in this world that don't care about your way of belief. Uh, they will cut you down and be done with you. And I, well, my, my you know, question is, I, I mean, what can you do about it? If you can't do anything about that's my that's my belief on something. If there's nothing I can do to prevent this or fix it, then you just have to keep on going on. But there is something they can do to. Well, okay, yeah. You know, to, <laughs> they, they they can they can defend themselves. Uh, you know, they, that is something that they could do, but they choose not to. My biggest problem with the Tuathawan and with the Way of the Leaf in this setting, maybe in a peaceful time, which, and there are hints that this whole pacifist, the Way of the Leaf, is something that stems back from the Age of Legends. So yes, back yeah. in that time period when the world was at peace, I'm sure this, this way of life made sense. Um, but yeah. I have a real problem with it in the fact that like, if they want to be pacifists, like, they don't want to inflict injury or harm, you know, they won't fight to protect their own life, I, that's fine, if that's your f personal philosophy. I have a real problem with it, though, when, say, you are there, you see evil is happening, and you do nothing to stop it, you allow it to hurt other people. Sure. That is a where I have problems. I'm, you know, there, there is, you know, the... The, the idea of just letting things happen. Yeah. You know, is... one thing I did catch, and it makes me think that they're kind of putting on a show, is when um, when Perrin and Egwene and Elias, when they first entered their, 
I guess during their closure or whatever that whatever you call that when they first entered their encampment it's like you could feel the tension and I'm like I understand that you guys are peaceful but I could feel that if they made the wrong move these people were going yeah. to attack them so is it yeah. really are they really as peaceful as they come off you know oh no they're no, they're no. absolutely hundred percent just as peaceful as they come off uh, the because, tension because what was yeah. that tension the tension that you feel yeah. is the tension of if they will flee like they won't oh, they won't attack okay. they'll run or okay. and the tension that you feel on them their part is that they are searching for the song so every time okay. they encounter someone that little ceremony at the beginning is hoping that the next person they meet has the song okay so they're all tense because you know it hasn't ever happened before but maybe this is the time that, that we'll find yeah. the song <laughs> kind of pathetic and i just i just think i just think you know it's you know i'm i'm all for i'm all for peace i'm all for finding like a diplomatic solution and not coming to uh any kind of violence but there comes a time and place when you know you have to defend your own Uh, and i know not everybody's going to agree with me on that but that's where i stand on it now i will say this though i i personally at least the way that i read it in the text, I think there's a loophole in the way of the leaf. Oh? Because because it, it seems like every time it was mentioned, it's always said uh, it's something to the effect of men doing violence against men. Well, at least as far as I can tell, Trollocs are not men. Huh. Merdral are not men. They, they may look like it to an extent, but they're, they are not uh, human beings. So that is know, a very if, judgmental if, comment, Justin. If if I were a if I were one of the traveling people, I would say, yeah. If it's another human being, I will you know keep the peace. But if one of those shadow spawn comes after me, no, there, there, there there's a loophole there. I'm jumping right through it. So. Yeah, but at, <laughs> at, while I think that very- probably could be, I don't think they would see it that way. I mean, they won't even kill animals for food. Yeah, you're you're probably uh, right, but I'm just saying, as I read it, I see a loop. Oh, I I agree 100. <laughs> percent I'm just saying that they wouldn't see it that way, even I'm though sure the text right. does give them that out. Uh, when you yeah. say that, are you trying to say like the wolves at at risk, basically? The what? Because I noticed like the wolves stay away from them. Oh, I mean, the wolves stay away from them because they have no interest in messing with the dogs. Okay, I was gonna say yeah. like uh, I was gonna say like you know because you said it's men against men. Like okay, the, so would they attack the wolves? Here's the thing: the wolves are not pets. Like that's something oh, that Egwene no. has trouble with. Oh, they no. don't want to be around other people. They're not akin to coming into camps and things like that. The only reason they've done that so far is because. Perrin and Elias are their are wolf brothers, so I love that yeah. they love Perrin has been accepted. So yeah. that's the this only so reason. It's not a normal thing for them to make camp with humans. I am uh, so right. jealous. I want to be a wolf brother. Yeah. What do you I know, need to do to join this group? <laughs> uh, there, there's so much I think we could say about uh, about the traveling people. Um, oh no, I, I'm all about the way of the wolf. Um, well there's there's just a lot a lot there i mean they are i mean they are a peaceful people they are an accepting people yeah um yeah they're they're a a uh uh, in many ways a delightful people they they definitely love to 
you know, sing and dance and, you know, share meals together. They do kind of bring out, like, the, the happy side of people. Like, they make you want to sing and dance, too. So, there's well, that. Well, they, and, and, and they make Perrin want to do other things, but. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I still uh, don't even know how old these, these kids are. Uh, <laughs> like, I have no idea. I'm well, going to put Perrin, down 13. I say Perrin's old enough that that dance made him very uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put them all down as 13. Uh, I don't know. I think they're a little bit older than that. (sighs) I don't uh, know. We'll eventually get age confirmation on at least someone. (laughs) (laughs) One one of these days. One of these days. Um, So, but, you know, again, there's so much we could say, and I think we'll get more into their, um, you know, their, their, history and their um, their role in the world their 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 role and, and more characteristics of them but i do feel like we need to talk about uh this little bit towards the end of that chapter yeah. with uh rain or rain rain story yeah. uh, oh man um i have the quote uh written down or at least part of it uh he tells this story of some of their own in the Aiel Waste, which we don't really know much about at this point, but they came across uh, a group of Aiel, and all of them were dead, if I remember correctly. All were dead but one. And one tells this, um, I guess gives a warning. Is that what we would call it? Yeah. Um, And she says that leaf blighter means to blind the eye of the world, he means to slay the great serpent, warn the people, sight burner comes, tell them to stand ready for he who comes with the dawn. Um, and I think there's a little bit more to it, but I think those were like the main points. Um, yeah, so there's <laughs> a, little, a little phrase in there that we've heard a couple times already, specifically in the boy's dreams. Uh, uh-huh. The eye of the world. Well, it's also the title of the book, so... Yes. Well, I mean, there's that. It's kind of like that moment. It's kind of like that moment when you're watching a movie and they say the title of the movie in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they said it... Um, was it with uh, Rand's dream earlier? Yeah. That we heard it's, Eye of it's, the World? Yeah. It's been mentioned a couple early, of times yeah, in, in, times. in the dreams. literally yeah. tells Rand, the eye will not serve you. Yeah. So... Um, uh, I'm interested in that that last statement. Tell them to stand ready for he who comes with the dawn. He who uh, comes with the dawn. There's also, uh, yeah. Justin, will you read the quote one more time real quick? Because there was something you hit on there that I wanted to bring up. Uh, Leaf blighter means to blind the eye of the world. Uh, he means to slay the great serpent, warn the people, sight burner comes. Tell them to stand ready for he who comes with the dawn. All right, so we've got leaf blighter and sight burner. Yeah. Do we think those are both references to the Dark One? Sightburner, maybe. You know, I mean, Sightburner. Who, who else comes? I mean, it's this because he has Sightburner, so many names. Sightburner would definitely almost sound like Baalzaman. Yeah, Mister Flaming Eyes. You know, himself. he's got he's he's got yeah he's got flames <laughs> for eyes. I, that that really um, does uh, that helps a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so. But who is the but, light blighter? So uh, it's leaf blighter. Leaf, bl- sorry, leaf, leaf blighter. blighter. Um, do you think that's also? Um... So leaf blighter is a reference. It's an Aiel name for the dark one. So oh. there's this thing called. They've made reference to it once or twice called the blight. 
Um, yes. Basically, uh, it's an area of the world, a wilderness that is like afflicted with the Dark One's taint. So like corruption yeah. is prevalent and all the foliage and the trees are twisted and wicked and they call him uh, Leaf Blighter because he is the one that causes the blight. Is it mm-hmm. anywhere he passes that this happens or is it just an area of the world? Like anywhere he passes, is that like, that sounds like something that would happen, like, it, you know, uh, everything dying. If he passes through that area, is that what happens? Think of it. Or is it just the one area? Think of it as like, it's a radius effect from like, it's something that radiates and grows outward from where he is strongest. Not necessarily okay. where he's active at that point in time. Okay. Like where he's taken over, kind of? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What I really want to know, and I don't think there's an answer to it, at least not that I'm aware of, not yet anyway, is right there towards the end, when Rain is about to say something to Elias, and Elias kind of stops him. Yeah. Oh, uh, should, should should I read that? or guys... Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and read it. Okay, let I me know what you're talking about, but let's, let's yeah. give everyone a refresher. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm just going to start at the beginning of the paragraph. She knew what she was saying and to whom she was saying it. Something more important to her than her own life, and we cannot even understand it. When I saw you walking into our camp, I thought perhaps we would find the answer at last. Since you were, Elias made a quick motion with his hand, and Rain changed what he was going to say. Huh. <laughs> Are a friend and know many strange things. So, <laughs> there is something about Elias that yep. we don't know. <laughs> secret secrets. So many uh, secrets. Yep. Uh, secrets abound. Yeah, which we don't know. Uh, so I'm 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 hoping that we get an answer to that eventually. Um and I'm looking forward to that. So and please within the next two chapters or something. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know now. Uh, so, so with that being said, um, I think it's this probably, unless y'all have something else about the Tuathalon you want to say, I think this might be a good chance for us to switch back over to the boys. Let's go yeah, back let's to the do boys. That. Let's go to White Bridge. Yep. So we find this marvelous White Bridge, literally. <laughs> uh, Man, how did they ever come up with the name for that? I now? know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like calling us, you know, a city Big Rock or. <laughs> yeah small house Uh, (laughs) so (laughs) lots of grass yep so it's Uh, but uh you know this marvel of the world um maybe made with the power maybe not nobody really knows it's just kind of there and so this town was built on it and around it uh because it's the only way to get across the river um so the boat finally makes it there our guys disembark uh and head for the inn so, um, when we get there, everything is all up in a tizzy and a buzz because the, uh, false dragon has been captured. And the hunt for the horn has been called. Wow, okay. I, I was curious about this. I know we've heard about the great hunt of the horn. It's one of Tom's stories. Yeah. That he tells, like, all the time. Is this the first indication we get that it's more than just a story that there's I, actually something that that I've that periodically it. takes place 
I've accepted the that his stories horde. are never stories. They're, I think they really are the truth, or at least a twist of the truth. Okay. Like, I don't think they're really stories. I think they're all real. Yeah, so there's a... Uh, Whether it's now or some other age or, you know, a different time period or whatever, his stories are... I mean, stories come from, from truth, doesn't it? We, we saw it in that very first, I think, prologue. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Where it said, as time goes on, you know truth becomes myths myths become yeah. something like i oh, mean that's yeah. just life it's not it's not false <sighs> but this uh this was kind of depressing <laughs> so i do want to lie, yeah. there is a quote i'm looking for real quick uh with regards to the horn i wanted to bring up before we moved on i'm just trying to see let's see here we go ah here we go all right <clears throat> it's when tom is told about everything uh, and he, the uh, innkeeper is still going on, but all of a sudden you hear Tom kind of break out uh, in this old memory or thought. And it says, In a soft voice, the gleeman began to recite to himself, In the last lorn fight, gainst the fall of long night, the mountains stand guard, and the dead shall be ward, for the grave is no bar to my call. You know, he's reciting reciting a piece of The Hunt of the Horn, yeah. uh, which just gives you chills. <laughs> it, it really does. And again, my uh, my background um, as a as a minister is coming out. It, it, it definitely uh, there, there are, again, uh, biblical uh, elements there um, with the, the horn sounding and, and the dead yeah. being raised. Yep. Um, so definitely, I, I, you know, that's something I'm definitely picking up on more as we're reading through that, uh, through this, uh, story this time is those kind of, uh, references. I mean, not, not necessarily overt, but you can definitely pick up on the influence from those things. So yep. that's interesting to me. Yeah. The horn of Valier. It's very, very fun. little note there. But I don't want to get us hung up on that too much. I just find it incredibly fun. Uh, oh, yeah, no, great. great. <laughs> um. So, as this unfolds, we find out then that somebody's been asking after them. First, yeah. a strange little man who freaked people out. Uh, a weaselly fellow. Yeah. A weaselly fellow. Yeah. So, do we have any ideas who this might be? Uh, Pat and Fane. Interesting. What makes okay. you say that? Because we're not done with him. Okay. All right. I I, I, I can't um, say anything. Cause... Thank you. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I like. I refuse to. I refuse to believe that we left him in Berlin. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to wait so, and see. And so it's not, and, and I'm sorry, Lan is not Weasley, so there's no way, no way that uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely the group. It's not Lan. It's, it's definitely sure. not Lan. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> like and, and it and it and it definitely it wouldn't be Perrin either. Oh um, of no, course, no, we, no. We Weasley. we know where we know where Perrin is at this moment, but he definitely wouldn't be described as Weasley. Um, I'm I'm putting it on Pat and Fane. I can't remember his description of his body or anything, but I do know he looked a mess in Berlin. So I can mm. see people like getting freaked out by seeing him. Yeah. 
And he is a little bit crazy now. I mean, having your cart blown up does something to you. So there's that. So he was asking, and then when he leaves town, a much more problematic presence starts asking questions. And we find out that there is a murdraw in the town. Whew. I, I kind of did like that, because I, I, I'm not going to lie, I do enjoy when the action happens. Um, do you think the Merdral is the Weasley fellow? No. Uh, it's, no. It's clearly I, I think, two different... It, the Weasley fellow yeah, is the innkeeper... I'm like, it's two different people, just to be clear. They say there's a very clear distinction made. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, there's... Uh, I'm like, I didn't miss that, did I? Okay. Yeah. Yep. No, that it's a very clear distinction. The Weasley man just kind of... He's just puts out of hand but the barkeeper you can tell when he starts talking about this man in black that it's a merge all like there's... it's kind of weird though because why would a merge all have to look for them like like really it, i it's kind of disappointing what? like can't you just sense them obviously not uh, like you're like you're no, looking for the so. group like that's really weird now, i don't think if the merge all could just straight up sense them i don't think they ever would have bothered going into barrelon they'd have rode hard and fast the entire way to tarvalon i think yeah. the merge all does have to rely on you know eyes and ears he doesn't have like a supernatural like Terran, matt and ran radar yeah. well <laughs> because you how have to, else you... would he know that they're at white bridge because it's the only well, bridge it, across the river it's Oh, and and it's probably dead. it's probably the most yes yeah, the most logical place for them to go. But you have to remember back when they first left the uh, the two rivers or left Emmons Field, uh, you know they were obviously they were being chased, but they also had the Drakkar overhead, kind of relaying their position. Yeah. So the, the Mergeral many has many powers, so. but supernatural sense and awareness is not one of them. It has to rely on yeah. normal scouting methods and, and isn't it kind of odd that he's by himself or i guess is he like okay let me go and look and then i'll call you guys over if i see them so well you're, kind of you're, you're not you're not going to bring a band of trollocs into this plus, <laughs> like hey guys hey guys split up split well, up. <laughs> plus the, the merge all literally and this is something we haven't touched on super it's been there but we haven't really touched on it the merge all literally have the ability to move and teleport in shadows so if there's a shadow in the town, he could be 20 miles outside the town, step into one shadow, and then step out in another shadow in the town. That is so crazy. Yeah, so it's easy for him to slip in and out of town and have the Trollocs camped off outside of the eyeshot of the village and nobody to be the wiser. Yet he can be prowling around however he wants. Okay. So, okay, I'll give him a pass. Um, Michelle, what do you think of what happens here with our dear friend Tom and what's revealed I'm about kind of, him? I'm kind of depressed because uh, I did want him to be more sinister, <laughs> but I'm also depressed about what happened to him. Um, yeah. I, I feel like he's, I guess he's more noble than I thought. Yeah. Um, well, let's, uh, let, let's talk about the, the truth that yeah. he reveals. Steven, you want to? Sure. Uh, Let's dive in. So Lay that out for us. What it, so as it turns out, Tom's entire reason for being with the group and for coming with them and staying with them for this long is because he had a nephew who uh, got mixed up with the Aes Sedai. It's red, you still kind of had to read between the lines, but basically he had a nephew who could channel, that could use the one there power. There we go, yeah. And he was so caught up in his own life as a court bard that 
by the time he decided to do anything about it, it was too late, and his nephew had already been taken off to the tower, gentled, and then eventually lost his life, most likely due to suicide, after losing mm. his ability to channel. And so Tom has this great wealth of guilt, because while, uh, in all honesty, what's he was what was he going to do against an army of Aes Sedai in a tower? That's what I'm saying. But like, what, yeah. what was he going to do? He feels like he should have at least done something. He had a position, and he had he was a bard to a queen of some country, so he had yeah. some influence and power. Yet he was so caught up in his own life that he didn't make take any action until it was too late. And so now he kind of sees this as a second chance to make a to. He couldn't save his nephew, but maybe, just maybe, he can do something to save these boys from a similar fate. And he did just that, in all honesty. Yes, he did. I, uh, I felt... I, I, I'm sorry, Tom, that I accused you of having sinister sinister reasons for following the group. So let's, yeah, let's you, have you, a... You, you didn't trust him very much. Oh, no, I don't. I don't trust anybody. <laughs> I don't trust anyone. Yeah. Can, uh, can we get a moment of of silence for our dear Tom Marilyn. Oh, yes, please. Absolutely. Let's give him a good three seconds. All right, so. Yes, that's <laughs> dear, dear Tom, not, oh, not trusted by all of uh, us, but but uh, you you stuck it out and came through in the end, man. You, you juggled uh, for many, you sang for all, you know, and in the end, you know, uh, not even that. <laughs> could save you, and, so. And, and you had a pretty amazing mustache. Oh, oh yeah. yeah admirable really so thanks to tom our two boys managed to flee and get away from the murdro uh barely escaping with their lives and that is where we draw to an end with these set of chapters oh wow i you know so, yeah, there's a lot there yep the only thing i can say is through all of this i stand with narg <laughs> no matter what no matter what uh, and 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 white cloaks are still the worst i nothing's changed nope. oh no no a lot has changed no no but nothing those, no but those two but, that's but those two things, steady things those things have not changed and they and, will not change it's, <laughs> in all honesty it's what's at keeping least me grounded me. it's what's keeping me grounded right now uh, oh but what, what what let's see well you know i don't think anything can change for narg because wasn't he killed <laughs> no, we don't know that. We don't know. Uh, ran, sure. ran him through. We don't know for sure. Uh, <laughs> we don't know. Oh yeah, the the, uh, the secret. Okay, spoilers. So in book ten, <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> spoilers are welcome. Narg is is actually the hero of this story. Yes. Oh no, I actually read somewhere that he is the dark one. <laughs> oh no I, you know this is kind of um it's kind of unsettling though that tom you know tom died because technically he's a main character so now we know that uh i guess robert jordan's really about that life he will kill you off oh yeah <laughs> so don't think that just because you're part of the group you can live so he's no george R. R. martin but no. yeah people definitely can and will die in these books like there's yeah. there you know there is not uh, not that much plot armor for a lot of people. Like, oh, it, no. it is if he realistic. Was George R. R. Martin, Moraine would have like disintegrated right after she turned <laughs> into a giant. Like, we would have we would have been gone. Tam would be dead by now for sure. 
Um, but yeah, Tom dying actually, it kind of, it did throw me off. I, I wasn't hurt, but I, I it was kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> that probably says a lot about me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, do y'all... I don't know who my favorite. You don't know who your favorite is right now? Uh, I guess my favorite wasn't inside this, uh, this series, inside this series of chapters. Oh. It's, like I said, it's, it's kind of, a. Uh, it's kind of Moraine and and uh, and the Knave are kind of like trying to tie. I guess I like the Aes Sedai. <laughs> hmm. Well, they're strong, powerful uh, women. So yes, yeah. I like strong, powerful uh, female characters. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Egwene, I'm sorry, but you're not there. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you'll never uh, will be. <laughs> uh, I would have to say, out of these chapters, Perrin is by far my favorite. Oh character. yeah, or Elias um, in all. But I, I like I like I like Tom a lot too. Um, he's a really uh, been a really great character so far. Are we kidding? And, I love every single one of uh, these guys, uh, <laughs> and I can't no, tell no, no. you. I can't tell you who my favorite is because it wouldn't make any sense right now. Uh, show off. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Would y'all, that, have, uh, that... y'all have any other points to bring up before we draw things in? I have no predictions, just because nothing. Well, you know what? We will see Pat and Fane uh, pretty soon, sooner than we think. Okay, that's my prediction. She predicts Patton. All right. Justin, All right. anything for you? I just, no, looking forward to uh, getting a little bit further in and, and, and finding out, I'm hoping to find out uh, what's going on with our other group. We haven't heard from them in a little while. Yeah. So uh, need to find out what's going on with uh, Moraine and Lan and, and Nynaeve. And they're a funner group, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard... Anyone refer to Moraine, Land as naive as the funner group. <laughs> they're, they're, the, they're, the, are, they're the interesting group. I'd rather are, if we're are, on a road say, trip, I'd go with them. I'd go in their car. <laughs> I don't honestly. I don't think I've ever heard anybody refer to Land as fun. <laughs> he's he's fascinating. It, okay, so next to Perrin and the wolves, uh, I'd go with Moraine and and Nanave and and Lan. Their car, the road trip. You know that road trip would be really quiet. But just, you know, the silence alone, though, it would still be interesting. Uh, when somebody did say something, though, it's it's stand, it's, stand back. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, guys. I uh, appreciate you joining me again. And uh, I'm just loving having y'all here and getting to talk about this. It's so much no, fun. I look this forward is, to this. I look forward to this, this every so week. so much fun. Yep. We'll do it again next week. Yep. I guess so. I guess we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Good night, everybody. Good night. Night, folks. Hi everyone, Justin here. Just wanted to thank you again for joining us for this week's episode. Uh, Just a reminder, new episodes are released every Tuesday. And if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe so that you won't miss our next episode. Uh, You can also leave us a rating or a review. Uh, We would love that. It'll help us get the word out to uh, more potential listeners. You can also interact with us on uh, social media. We're on 
Twitter at Wind Beginning. We're on Instagram at The Wind Was a Beginning. We're on YouTube and Facebook, The Wind Was a Beginning, a Wheel of Time podcast. Uh, you can email us as well, The Wind Was a Beginning at gmail.com. Uh, we hope you'll come back and join us next Tuesday as we're going to be discussing chapters 28 through 32 of The Eye of the World. We'll see you then. <laughs>